Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. All right, it's good to be here. Um, for those that don't know, my name is Lucas and I'm the next-gen pastor at Southside Church. Um, and so, first things first, what I wanted to say is, I think we're spoiled with this Southside worship team and I think we you know, should remember to um, encourage them. If we see them in the lobby, say thank you, because you know, when they're up here and they're singing and they're performing and you know, we're sitting in the seats out here, it can look so effortless and so easy because they're so good at it, but they still have to step outside of their comfort zone every single week and they do that because they wanna glorify God with their talents and their gifts, but also because they wanna help us be able to worship and spend time with God here at church. So I just wanted to say a major shout out to them. If you do see them at all in the lobby, um, just go up and say thank you because I do really appreciate what they do and I think we all do as well. And you know, that's all I'm trying to do today. I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone. I'm someone who doesn't, um, I don't know if there is anyone in the world who enjoys public speaking naturally, but maybe there is and I'm not one of those people. So I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone and I'm also telling a story that's pretty close to my heart. It's something that um, I went through in 2019, not just me, my family and my wife and, um, and then all of my teammates at Calgary as well and it's a, it's a really hard story for me to share um, and there's a lot of pain and difficulty in it still to this day. I'm still working through it but I do believe that there's a couple of things that God showed me in working through and dealing with this really difficult event that changed my life, I know it changed my life, and then I believe that there's some principles in there that can help change yours as well. And so, I'm gonna get into it. Um, so the story starts April 25th, 2019. I was standing in my basement suite in Calgary, Alberta, 232 Hawkwood Boulevard, Northwest. That place will always have a special place in my heart. And um, on that particular day, I was joined in my basement suite by three of my teammates. And, one of the really cool things about playing university sport was getting to meet and interact with and get to know people from all different backgrounds and all different walks of life and learn how you know, we can actually find the things that connect us as humans and then also celebrate the things that make each person unique. And so um, on that day, it was Mason Foreman from East Selkirk, Manitoba, 6'8", country boy. His family had Métis heritage and he was an amazing guy, still is to this day. And then Toby Adela Dunn, his parents were first generation immigrants from Nigeria. They immigrated to Calgary and put their roots down there and to this day Toby's one of my best friends. I talked to him two days ago and um, he was one of my only Christian teammates out there at Calgary as well and an amazing guy. And then Maximilian Isla, which is a mouthful, from Ulm, Germany. Um, he was actually over studying, um, getting ready to go to med school and playing basketball for us at Calgary. One of the hardest working, uh, most brilliant people I've ever met. And so different people from all different walks of life. And then Lucas Mann is from Chilliwack, BC there as well. And what brought us together on that particular day was um, we were all actually missing one particular person and that is Andrew Milner from Anaganish, Nova Scotia. Andrew Milner had come into the University of Calgary in the summer of 2017. That was the same summer that I came into the University of Calgary, but I had come in as a fourth year transfer student, meaning I had already played three years of university sport. And so I kind of knew how to like navigate school and, and basketball and work and all the things that kind of went along with that. Whereas Andrew was 19 years old, true freshman, like I said, from Anaganesh, Nova Scotia. So he was far from home. I honestly think, I said it as a joke for a service, but I think it's a, a similar flight to get to London from there as it is to get um, over to the prairies, it's, it's super far, so he might as well have been um, on a different continent, but from the first time I met him, there was something inside me that, it, he just reminded me so much of my little brother, and a little brother, and I just, I wanted to take him under my wing and care for him, you know, being that far from home, I thought, 
What would I want someone to do for my little brother if they were that far from home? And so Lexi and I, who was my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, she would drive from her place in Calgary to my place. We would then go drive to campus, we'd pick him up from campus, we'd drive him back to my place, we'd make food, eat together, and then we'd drive him back to campus, drive back to my place, and then Lexi would drive back to her place, which was like 25 minutes away, but it wasn't a burden at all because it was a chance to connect with and be there for um, and look after Andrew in a way, but what started as kind of taking him under our wing blossomed into a real friendship. Andrew was, I call him a relational glue guy. He, was, he could take someone from over here and someone from over here and help them connect and meet in the middle and find the things that unify people. He was really, really good at that. And so fast forward a few months, um, many months actually, 2019 in January, um, we were in town to play the University of the Fraser Valley. Their campus is out in Abbotsford, which for me that means I got to go home, which was really fun. And, um, Andrew and I were roommates on the road all the time. We convinced our, our coach that it was good luck when we were roommates on the road, and then we won a national championship in 2018, so we were set for life. We were never gonna be part, part from each other on the road again, because that would just be crazy for him to do after winning like that. Um, and so we were roommates here, and, and I was like, man, this is a chance to show him my home and introduce him to my family. He had met my family, but not in my home like that before, and it lined up that um, my older sister Tori and her husband Josh were doing the gender reveal party for their firstborn, um, which is amazing. It turned out to be a boy, and, and I just saw him a few minutes ago, Noah Gray Wallace, one of my best buds, he's amazing. Um, but Andrew just, I remember from that, that night, you can ask my family and all the people that were there, he just fit in so well, like he felt like he was truly part of our family. So he had went from someone I was just looking out for to a real friend to what truly felt like a, a little brother to me. And, and my little brother Gabe got the chance to, to meet him and connect and they became really close friends. And so we had really connected and become almost like siblings. And then, you know, a few weeks later we were at the national tournament in Halifax, Nova Scotia, which for him meant that he was going home. And so we got a chance to go down in downtown Halifax and he showed me all kind of the, um, the cool things and some memories and stories from his childhood growing up near there. And, I just remember from that conversation, we walked all the way down the water. For me, I don't know why, but I found it so cool to see the Atlantic Ocean. I'd never seen it before, and I just found it really cool. We walked all the way down, and we talked the whole way, and then we walked all the way back to our hotel. And I remember we talked about a whole bunch of things, but one of the things that really stood out to me, and when I think back to that conversation, is um, we talked about his five-year plan. You know, what he wanted to be doing in five years. And, you know, I was about to finish playing basketball there. So I was going to hit the road and go back to BC. And he was just getting started. And, and he was truly, at, at this time, I think he was 20 years old. He was one of the best basketball players I've ever even seen, not only in person, but on video, anything at 20 years old. He was amazing. Um, unlike me, if I had tried to play pro basketball, I would have been making about $6 an hour if you, would, if you did the math on it, not making a ton of money. He had a real bright future ahead in basketball, even professionally. And so he was talking about that, but more than that, he was talking about like, who he wanted to be in five years and who he wanted to be doing life with. And he was a real family man, but he was also like such a loyal friend. And so I just remember how much he was planning, you know, him and his girlfriend, Taya, maybe getting married and all the things that they wanted to be doing together. And, you know, it was a beautiful conversation and it has a special place in my heart for that reason, but also because six weeks later on a, on a trip near the BC Alberta border, him and um, three friends, his girlfriend, um, an awesome girl named Hallie, and then one of my teammates, Jackson, were hanging out and they went out for an early morning canoe ride. They were heading home that day and I knew that. I knew they were heading home that day. And, um, so they went out for an early morning canoe ride and it was going well and then um, just fast forward a few hours, I 
was sitting in my basement suite at Calgary, studying for my final exams, getting ready to finish up, and I got a message from our head coach, and at that point, it was weird to get a message because we had just finished the season, and he said, we have an emergency team meeting, everyone needs to be there right now. And so, I remember I was confused, like, well, why do we need to hang out? Usually we just have an exit interview with our coach, and then for us fifth years, we're kinda, we move on, and so, I, I remember driving to campus, and obviously an emergency team meeting, you have kind of worst case scenario going through your mind, and um, you don't wanna believe it, right? And uh, I remember I had to park pretty far from where our team room is, so it was probably a 10 minute walk. And I was walking and I phoned Andrew because I knew that this was about the time they should be heading back. And so I phoned Andrew and I went straight to voicemail four times, and then I phoned Jackson, who I knew he was with, and. Um, I can't remember if it rang or not, but I know it ended up going to voicemail with Jackson as well. I couldn't get a hold of them. And then you have a sinking feeling in your gut, obviously, you know, and, and you know, for me, I was thinking, oh, maybe they got in a car crash, but, you know, Jackson's a good driver and, you know, maybe it's minor and, 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 you know, I'll be able to get a hold of him. And, you know, we made it all the way to, um, or I made it to the team room and we waited for a while. No one was saying anything. Our team was just sitting in there and then our coach came in with tears in his eyes and he let us know that, um, on that canoe trip that the canoe actually capsized, um, not too far from shore, but Andrew got hit with cold shock and his body froze up and tensed up and he, he just couldn't swim. And so my, my friend Jackson um, was trying to help him and then realized that they were both gonna go down. So he went to shore to get help and he turned around and Andrew was gone and, um, and uh, we lost Andrew. So um, yeah, I think we have some photos from uh, just some photos I took and then the photos we had together to show you. You know, and so obviously it goes without saying that's a challenging thing for you know, me to open up, not, not just to friends and family, but to you know, a lot of you, I, I don't even know you at all, you don't know me. But the reason I open up is because there's a few things that God really taught me and showed me in the, especially those early days which were extremely, extremely, extremely difficult and lessons that he showed me that I think can be applied to all of us and what I know in here is that we're all either going through something challenging or have been going through something challenging or will go through something challenging in this life. It's a hard life. You know, the devil has a foothold on this earth to a degree and there's brokenness that we go through and there's difficult things that we go through and there's lessons that God showed me and I wanna just pass them on to you and what I would just ask is that you have um, just an open, open heart to what I'm saying and, and you know, I. I'm not gonna get too into the, just the emotion of it because I think it goes without saying and that's pretty difficult for me to do, but there's just two takeaways that God showed me and I believe that they can apply to all of us and the things that we're going through in our lives. And the first one is that we need to approach God in our lives with authenticity and honesty and vulnerability and whatever it is that we're going through. Because for me, 
I didn't have the energy, I didn't have the capacity, I didn't have the ability to do anything besides just come to God as I was. I was a mess, I was, I was full of grief and, 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 and guilt because I didn't know if I did enough. I had anger towards God, I had anger towards life. I was afraid, you know, I had a bunch of questions. I had all these raw emotions and instead of trying to pretend that I had it all together or instead of turning my back on God, I just came to God and I let him in to the mess that my life was at that time. And it was a mess, like it, it really was. It was the hardest thing that I've ever gone through. And for me, that was kind of a reflex that I had to go to God. And I think some of us in here, when things get hard, some of our other reflexes can be we can turn our back on God when things get hard. I think that's a really common one. I think another one for those of us who have grown up in church, been around you know, Sunday school, church camps, we kind of know the right things to say. And you know, we've heard a pastor pray. We know what it should sound like. And so we can recite and, and say these these prayers, but it's not necessarily an authentic representation of how we're actually feeling the raw emotion and the questions that we're going through. And what I learned in going through that was how important it is that we come to God exactly as we are. He actually wants us to do that. He created us, he loves us, he knows what we're going through, and he wants us to let him in, and he can't help pretend us. You know, you know if we're pretending to have it all together, there's, there's nothing for him to do there, and then obviously when we turn our back on him, right, like, like we go the other way, which I've done a lot in my life too, then he'll let us run, right, until we turn around and we come back. And so that's the, that's the first takeaway. There's a verse that, that meant a lot. There's a few verses. It says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that is just, I mean, that was true for me and it is true for all of us. And then, you know, one of the interesting things that I learned through that is that I don't actually have answers. <laughs> Like even today, I don't think there's a person in here, including myself, that could come up here and logically explain or give a, a, a good enough answer that could explain to Andrew's mom, to Andrew's girlfriend, to Andrew's family, to me, to my family, to my little brother, to his teammates that could explain why we lost Andrew in a way that would make sense. Sometimes there aren't any logical answers and what I found was as I drew near to God exactly as I was, he actually gave me the ability to have faith that he has a plan to make things right in the end. And that seems so hard to believe because it's so broken. You know, because he, he created the earth and he created man and woman and he had a perfect plan. Without death and without, um, you know, all these things that we're going through, all these difficulties, without broken people, breaking people and hurting people, hurting people, it was a perfect plan. And then when man and woman decided to go their own way and do their own thing, which we do a lot, that plan got broken and entered into the equation death and entered the equation all these difficult things that we're going through. And so what I really believe, there's a verse in Revelations that really helped me get through that time. It says that he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will pass away. And so that's just my, that's my first thing that I'm asking you guys to do is like, I come to you to tell this story and, and share from my heart and be vulnerable, which is a hard thing to do but I say that because this is a very, very, very important lesson for us. We're all gonna go through hard things. We're, we're going through hard things right now. And it's so important just to come to God exactly as we are. And he actually wants into the mess, you know, and the emotion and the raw, you know, the raw stuff that we are going through. And it, it may seem hard to believe, but he loves us exactly as we are. And so, you know, I think we know that, you know, with a friend or a coworker or a relative or whatever, we can't, like I can't get to know Jake if he's putting walls up. 
You know, obviously if Jake turns around and walks out that door, I'm probably not gonna have a great connection with Jake and vice versa. And I think sometimes we wonder, we've turned our back on God or we're pretending to be someone we're not with God and we're wondering why we don't feel a connection with him. Well, it's because we're not actually expressing us, ourselves in an authentic way. And so what I would ask you guys to do, I wanna give you a chance um, just to spend a moment between you and God and just bow your head and close your eyes and, and please just do that. And, and everyone in here, it's just a moment between yourself and God. And, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that we don't have to earn our salvation. We don't have to earn him coming into our lives. We don't have to perform a certain way or say a certain you know, phrase in a certain way. He just wants in right now, but all we have to do is just have a posture and take a step towards him. You know, Acknowledging that we need help and we need healing, but also we need a savior. That we can't do it on our own. When things get hard, we actually need him to come alongside us and to help us get through and to take us from the place that we're at right now, even if we feel like a bit of a mess, and to carry us into a future together. And so I wanna give, if you've never actually invited Jesus into your life, into your heart, into the circumstances that you're going through, I wanted to give you a chance to do that here today. And you can just do that by raising your hand, and then we're gonna pray a prayer together. If you could just raise it nice and high so I know who I'm praying with. Just leave it up. Okay, so all you have to do is just pray this prayer along with me in your head. Dear Lord, I come to you exactly as I am with my baggage and my grief and, and my emotion and I acknowledge that you know, sometimes this life gets hard and sometimes it gets messy and I don't feel like I'm all put together but I know that I need you and I need a savior and I need you to help me right now and into the future as well. I acknowledge today, Lord, that you are my savior. That you paid a price for me that I couldn't pay for myself. I invite you in to what I'm going through right now today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. And so the second thing, so when I look back, like I said, when, when I came to God in, in my emotion, with my grief and with my anger and my questions, that was kind of a reflex reaction for me. So now when I have, like I'm, it's been two and a half years and I look back on the time, I see how important that was. But it wasn't something where, you know, even day to day, I wasn't making that conscious decision really. It was just a reflex for me. And I'm really grateful for that, that God helped me do that in that moment. But there was, the second thing I wanna to talk to you about, this is something that I came kind of crashing into in real time, especially in those early days and weeks. And this realization has changed my life forever. Like the direction my life was heading in, it wasn't necessarily terrible, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't really a life of purpose, what I would say. It wasn't really leaving an eternal legacy. And so this realization changed my life forever and I believe that it has the ability to impact and change some of your lives in here too. And so it's really simple and it's this, that we need to stop living under the assumption that tomorrow is promised to me because it's not. You know, when I lost Andrew, I remember when he was talking about his five-year plan, all I could think about was like, man, all the memories we were gonna have together. You know, how I was gonna be involved in that five-year plan, how, you know, I was gonna be at his wedding and how he was gonna be at my wedding. And then fast forward a few months and I got married and he wasn't there to see it. And, you know, just, just as tomorrow wasn't promised for Andrew, it's not promised for me and it's not promised for any of you and it's not promised for anyone that we interact with. And that's not supposed to be morbid or, or create some frantic energy, but it, it is true. So what do we have? We have this moment here today, this moment we're living in right now, 
and then we have a promise of eternity. Those are the two things that were promised. And what, what it did for me, that realization was kind of a kick in the pants for me because I had spent so much of my life kind of on the fence in my faith. I had had really, you know, really intense season where I was all in and then, you know, when things got too hard, I was like, man, I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna do it the easy way. I was half with the world, half with Jesus, and it just wasn't really an all-in, bought-out Christian life. And you know, one of the things that I said, and a lot of us in here would say, is that you know, we, so so think about this story. Really, really think about it, especially those who have been Christians for a while, or or at least a stretch of time. That we believe that Jesus Christ came as a man, the Son of God. He lived a perfect life, literally didn't sin at all, and then he was found guilty anyway, and then he was crucified on a cross. And on that cross with him were my sins and my shortcomings and my mistakes that I can't deal with on my own, he dealt with for me. And then he raised from death on the third day. And when he rose, he gave me a chance to, to, to rise as well to a life of purpose and significance and meaning and eternal impact that I couldn't imagine without him. And not only that, but then he gave, also gave me when he did that, a promise of eternity in heaven with him. We would say that, and I would say that for years, and some of us in here would say that, and yet our priorities don't change. The things we care about don't change. How we talk doesn't change. The things we spend our time on, our money on, our talents on, our gifts on, how we make decisions don't change. And I'm here today to tell you that that is not possible when we're following the person of Jesus, but it is possible when you're falling into cultural Christianity, religious Christianity, Sunday to Sunday Christianity, content consumption Christianity, surface level Christianity, all of those things that we fall into. If you're wondering why your heart feels a little stale or you don't feel like you're growing, you don't feel like you're connecting with God, maybe you're falling into some of those things. When we follow and, and actually believe in the miracle of the story of Jesus, he changes our hearts. It's as simple as that. And so if you feel like you're stale in here today, you feel like you're kind of half in, half out, sitting on the fence, it might be a result of one of those forms of Christianity. We weren't called to be religious. We're called to follow the person of Jesus and have that change our hearts. And then what we'll find is, in this moment that we have today, there's opportunities all around us to point people towards the miracle of an eternity in heaven with him. And, and, and there's opportunities all around us and we start to look for those, we start to see those. And how it played out for me, I was, you know, I had just finished playing basketball. I was, that was my fifth year of eligibility, so I was done. So I was at a real crossroad in life and trying to figure it out. I was thinking about um, making less than minimum wage playing pro professional basketball, um, teaching, law school, and going into business. Like, like I, I was talking to a, a guy who runs a company and thinking about getting an entry-level job and starting to kind of work my way up the ladder. Those are the four things I was thinking of doing. And, you know, I think I would have enjoyed all of those to a different degree. I think I would have, um, there's, there'd be parts of them that I would like, and I, I, I think maybe, hey, one day, maybe I'll do one of those things. But as I invited Jesus into my decision-making process, he started to shift my gaze a little bit, and he said, what about this post here? What about working at a church? You know, and, and believe it or not, I don't work at a church because my dad works at a church. I don't work at a church because I grew up around people that worked at church and I spent a lot of time in church. I work here in this moment at Southside Church because God called me here in that moment and I said, I'll go. You know, I, I played university basketball with a bunch of alpha males and then I went to them and said, hey guys, I'm gonna be a youth pastor. Right, they're all going to pursue different, you know, cooler things, and I'm a youth pastor. Right, like, 
there's a humility that comes with that. And I'm, I'm happy to do that because I feel like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. But I followed God in that moment. And I'm not saying that he's calling every single person in here to work at a church. But maybe he's calling two or three of you in here to work at a church. Or what about the rest of us whose lives are lives of ministry, whose lives are lives where we're following after Jesus in, you know, at home, at work, at school, in our hobbies, all of those areas that we follow Jesus. But how about in the church? Jesus says the gates of hell will not stand against his local church. You know, so how about getting off the fence in the local church and being a part of what we're doing here, actively following Jesus in every area of your life, in every place at work, but also at church. You know, I believe that God has a unique plan for this church to bring revival and change to the culture and the world around us, that this is the vessel that he is using to do that. Pastor Mike, who's also my dad, but I call him Pastor Mike when I'm preaching, um, or <laughs> it's pretty weird, but yeah. You would understand if your dad was a pastor. Maybe some fellow PKs in here do understand. Um, but he said back in January, February, he said that we were gonna walk into, step into a season of revival at Southside Church. You know, he believed that with expectancy, and maybe I'm here today to announce to you guys that we're actually living that revival right now. Since we opened our doors, even with restricted services, we've seen over 100 people accept Jesus. I think it's 110 people have accepted Jesus in like a few months of, of church. In the last three weeks of unrestricted church, we've seen 66 people accept Jesus, not including today. Last week in what was kind of the first week where, you know, we envisioned how this new building would feel doing church. That was really the first week where it was like, man, this is how it was supposed to feel. 55 people got baptized. I got to baptize a bunch of them, and my wrist was literally sore. It was absolutely amazing just to see that and experience that and be a part of that. And we are walking out the beginning of that revival here at Southside Church. And what I'm asking you to do is to allow the message of Jesus to get into your soul and actually have that impact every area of your lives and including your commitment in the church. And I look around, and I see a lot of people who are all in. But just like that was a kick in the butt for me, losing my friend and you know, realizing that I can't wait to do this tomorrow. That was the kick in the butt that I needed in my life, honestly, and, and God showed that to me in a gentle way, and I hope that maybe today this message can be the same thing for some of you in here, I really hope that. And I say that with all humility, understanding that I'm only 27 years old, I'm not an expert, but I know this to be true, and I know that it can change your life. When you start to follow Jesus in every area of your life, you'll see everything change. The things that you care about, how you make decisions, how you spend your time and talents and abilities and money, everything changes. And it's not all at once, it's one step at a time. And so I'm gonna get logistic for one second. Um, you know, I, I hate logistics. Well, I like logistics because you need them, but it's not as fun as, as other stuff. But I have some friends working at different churches in the area and, and, and all over BC and then some in the States as well. And there's a lot of churches right now that are literally having to cancel services, turn people away, turn kids away because they don't have enough volunteers and we're fortunate that we're not in that spot. We haven't turned one person away, we're not canceling a service, we haven't turned any families away, but in order to have a growth mindset to continue to walk out the revival that God has placed us to walk into in this city and in the city in the hearts of everyone watching online, we need more people to jump in in their faith and it's not for us, it's for you because as you follow Jesus and become all in in your faith, you start to live out the life that he actually created you to live. And so you can, a couple ways you can do that, you can text the keyword serve, they're gonna leave it up on the screen for a while. 
or what you can do. That's the easiest way because the application does take like a few minutes. I'm gonna be out at the Next Step Center with Pastor Dave and a few other pastors. And if you have any questions about getting a little bit more like connected, you know, in a small group and community here, or, or jumping off the fence and becoming all in and saying, I wanna serve, whether that's any of the, te- there's so many teams, I see some ushers right there right now. You know, we have connect cards that come in from people who accepted Jesus here, and they literally point to a welcome team person at the door who smiled and welcomed them, because there are people that believe or aren't sure that, you know, are we accepting new people? Do I need a membership to come to church? Like, there's a lot of people who actually think that, right? I literally had, I was giving some people a tour the other day, and they were like, what do I have to do to become a member? I'm like, this isn't a country club. Like, I, I, I don't know, I actually don't even know what you mean. Like, I understand church membership, but I was like, man, you just show up. And so there's opportunities for us all around to actually actively be a part of the revival that God is bringing through our church to this city and then to the cities of those watching online. I would just invite you to take that step and like I I say that with full humility but also boldness because I understand that that is a life worth living where you're actually using this moment here today to point people towards the promise of eternity through the person of Jesus. And so that's pretty much all I have for you guys. You can text that word, it's still up, that's good. Or you can talk to me out here um, and then I'm just gonna pray to close and then I'm gonna be out of here. And you guys will too. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this church and for the, just the ability to gather here today. I, I thank you that you actually want us and accept us as we are, baggage and all, even when we feel like a mess, that that's what you want. You wanna help us get through life and navigate life. You wanna take us from this spot that we're at and help us move into the future that you have for us, including the future where we're living a life of purpose. Thank you so much that you actually give me the ability in this moment here today, Lord, to understand that this is all that is promised and I can use it to point people towards another promise that you give us through Jesus and that's the promise of eternity. I thank you for these incredible people. I pray that you know, people would, in boldness, in confidence, in faith, step out and actively live out their faith in the local church and that the gates of hell will not stand against this church, Lord. I pray all of this in your name, amen. Okay, that's it. I'll see you out at the Next Step Center. Have a good week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.